Welcome to the Church Council Podcast, where we make church law simplified. I want to help your ministry improve its legal foundation to protect the minister's ministry and mission of your church. We do this by giving you useful insight during each episode to proactively protect your church and then prepare you to respond to the unexpected events that happen along the way. I'm your host, Travis Story. I'm an attorney who specializes in church law, and I want to invite you along the journey as I pass on my years of volunteering, working, and then acting as legal counsel for the local church. Hello and welcome back. We're today, hopefully, we are going to tackle one of the biggest issues that uh, your church may face, and that's looking at your constitution and bylaws. Oh, wait, hold on. I know you are so excited. We get to talk talk about this amazing issue because every pastor, every minister, the thing that you cannot wait to do is talk about your constitution and bylaws. I know it. Just settle down. Uh, you've been looking forward to this episode forever. Um, seriously, if there's one thing that I know pastors uh, really dislike the most, that's having to deal with the foundational documents of your church. Because let's just face it, you were called to ministry and ministry has very little to do or does it with your foundational documents. This is not Sunday morning. This is not the next big thing. This is, this is not something that, that brings people in the door, but yet it's super important. One of the things that I, I just cannot say enough is your church is your foundational documents. And we'll talk about what those are supposed to be here in a second. If something ever happens, if there's ever a lawsuit, if there's ever any questions, guess what gets pulled up first before anything else, before they ask you what happened, they want to know what your foundational documents are going to say. This is why they're so important. The rest of the ministry is built on this. And so if we've got a shaky foundation, if we're built on sand, then it's all built on sand. So if we don't address the fundamental thing of your church, which is its foundational document, then we've missed the boat. So one of the biggest questions that I'll, I'll have to figure out anytime I talk to a new church, they'll say, we've got our constitution and bylaw. Constitution and bylaws, something that most churches have. And one of the things that makes me nervous is when somebody says we have a constitution and a set of bylaws. And there's a really good reason why that should make you nervous if that's what you've got is because you shouldn't have both. Most people think they need both. Most people have both. Um, But there's really two totally different reasons why you would have a church constitution and a uh, set of bylaws. So when we get to the fundamental question is, what is your church? If your church is what I'm going to call an unincorporated association. That means at some point there were a few families, a few people, they got together and they said, Hey, we're going to start a church. We're going to call it the the first church of three families, right? They, I, it doesn't name doesn't matter. They got together. They would put together a constitution that constitute said that constitution says we constitute together here's going to be the rules we are creating something literally out of nothing we we just created the organization and they did that independently they didn't ever go ask the state they didn't ask a county they didn't ask uh, the federal government for or anybody 
for anything. They just created it. And that's why you would have a church constitution. Most older churches, meaning churches, uh, especially before the, the 1970s, 1980s, depending on what state you're in, you are going to have a constitution because there really wasn't a method or a good way to, to do anything else. So your church would be formed with the constitution. And that constitution is, is the supreme foundational document of your church. Now, what are bylaws? Bylaws are the legal document that is used to be the supreme foundational document of a church that has incorporated, meaning you have gone to the secretary of state uh, of your state and you have asked for a specific name. You have registered with them. You generally are a nonprofit corporation in whatever state that you're located in. And with that, the proper document to have is a set of bylaws. So those are the bylaws of the corporation. So if you have ever registered with your state, and you can be found on the Secretary of State's website uh, to say, hey, this, this is our church, it's got a registered agent, it's got things like that, then you need a set of bylaws. Now, why is this important? Because the entity type, that means the unincorporated association or the nonprofit corporation matters what documents you should have. And it also matters from a legal standpoint what your supreme document authority is. I know you're going to say, well, your supreme document is the Bible. I get it. But when we're talking about uh, having a lawsuit, having to do anything where you're interacting with the secular world, if you will, then the question is, what is your top-level foundational document? If you have both, how are we going to deal with that? Which one's in charge? And what kind of problems can we have? So here's the way I want to start today. I actually was recently talking with a, a client and looking at a church that I actually wasn't representing, but they had their foundational documents online. Uh, and going through it, they had they really kind of had three different uh, documents. They had a constitution, a doctrinal statement, and bylaws. All three sound good, right? Um, I mean, all three sound very legal and official. And and so we've got these three separate documents. And then the question is, what does this organization do with three documents? So what are the differences between the constitution, the bylaw, and and the doc- doctrinal statement? Which is really, I would call that a statement of faith. So. When we look at those, uh, apparently, this document, after doing a little dig, after the church, after doing a little digging, uh, they were started and had their church constitution. At some point, they uh, organized with the Secretary of State and they formed a nonprofit corporation. So they became Church Inc., if you will, and they got a set of bylaws. They also have their doctrinal statement, which very clearly says, this is our statement of faith. They, they attempt at least to adopt uh, the actual Baptist Faith and Message 2000 um, and then add to it, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, and so that's what they're doing. But then the question really does come uh, back to what are the problems with doing this? So as we go through today... Um, I want to give you a few problems that I found in their, their documents. Now, again, these are not clients, but I found theirs uh, to be really, really interesting. B, 
because I think there's a lot of churches like this. And if your church is like this, this is going to be a good example of something. Maybe we can, uh, when we talk about how to fix this at the end, maybe that can, can be something you're going to do. Um, so first of all, they are an actual nonprofit corporation. And because of that, their supreme document is actually the bylaws. Meaning if, if you go and if you were hauled into court and they said, who, who, is this church? What do you stand for? What do you believe? The, the document that they're going to look at, the only document they're really going to look at is your bylaws. So as I was scrolling through this church's set of three documents, what I found out is the bylaws are missing a, a lot of stuff. Well, one, the bylaws don't really even contain the proper name of the church which is important because once you've incorporated, you're going to have a proper name. Typically you are going to be, you know, something church comma Inc, or you will have a different name if you've chosen that, but they don't have the name of the church. Guess what? All of the important stuff is actually in their church constitution. Now the church constitution doesn't have the right name either. So that's, that's kind of another issue, but the church sets out the purpose, sets out statement of faith, their membership, all of those things in the constitution. And what didn't happen is they never incorporated their constitution into their bylaws. So when we look at the bylaws and say, who are you church? The answer is that they really don't give us an answer at all. They've left that part blank. Now, they can try to say, well, we have this obviously in our constitution, but the, the constitution really goes away once they've incorporated. They became a new legal entity. And so it's important that if you're going to try to bring over those same things from your constitution, we need to include those in your bylaw. So when we get to that naming confusion, if they're going to be something, then they need to say what they are. For example, when they registered with the Secretary of State, they didn't just call themselves the First Baptist Church. They called themselves the First Baptist Church of Timbuktu. And so we need to make sure that that's their legal name, that they're using that throughout the documents, and they're really looking at representing who they are. Now, one of the biggest problems that I found is their statement of faith. Their doctrinal statement isn't incorporated, honestly, in either one of their documents. It's not in the Constitution. It's not in the statement of faith. It's just a separate, uh, a separate document. But the problem is, inside their Constitution, they actually say that they're adopting their statement of faith being the Baptist faith and message. Well, the Baptist faith and message is, is great, and there's lots of churches that have adopted that. If, if that's your denomination and that's uh, what you've done, then, then there's nothing wrong with that to say, hey, we're incorporating by reference the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. That's great. But when you look at the doctrinal statement, they're actually what I would call Baptist Faith and Message 2000 plus. They've gone in and tried to add additional things. And, and this is a very, very common thing for us to find currently because when the Supreme Court actually legalized same-sex marriage. There has been, since then, a lot of updates to bylaws to include a separate marriage provision. So that's inside the statement of faith. Many churches have come in, and they've, they've simply defined that 
they believe that marriage is between one biological man and one biological woman or something close to uh, or, or exactly that. The problem is that's not in the Baptist faith and message 2000 that way. So if you've only adopted in your legal documents the Baptist faith and message 2000, but haven't added the plus part inside your documents, you don't really have that as part of your statement of faith. Now you can say, well, it's in a doctrinal statement and that's fine, but where's that doc- doctrinal statement in your legal documents? It's not incorporated by reference. It's not there. It's just something that they've created an extra document for. One of the other issues uh, that I noticed is there was simply lots of confusion between the two documents. So if you've got a church constitution and a set of bylaws, there there were two different membership provisions. Talked about how the church handled membership. And and we'll get into uh, maybe some tips for membership provisions in another episode, but but the biggest issue was each of the documents actually treated membership differently. So the question is, which one's right? And one of the issues is, if you're going to have a membership provision in both, we need to make sure that everybody understands that the membership provision in the bylaws is going to be the right, the right authority for the membership of your church. And so if it's not, and that's not the one that you actually want, then that's, that's when you're going to have to look at what are we going to do? How are we going to update this? One of the last things that, that we'll notice from the First Baptist Church of Timbuktu, uh, as I've named them, uh, is really when, when you get to the point of trying to say who they are, what they're going to do, and even some of the amendment processes, they're different in both, both documents. And so a clear reading of these is really just a reading of confusion. And that, unfortunately, is what a lot of churches, I think, have today. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that, that we haven't talked about that are actually missing in some of these foundational documents, honestly, either one. Um, but I want to maybe move to how you can prevent this. So what can you do? If, if you go back and you say, oh, wait, we've got a, a church constitution, we've got bylaws, how do we, what do we do next? What is our next step? Well, your next step is to figure out what your church is set up like. If you are an unincorporated association, then great. Everything should be in your church constitution. If you are a corporated nonprofit entity, you've gone to the state, you've, um, You've registered with the Secretary of State generally in every state. That's how you would do it. You, you now have a separate legal entity that's a nonprofit corporation. Honestly, this does not matter if you are a 501c3 or not. So a lot of people think that the 501c3 part uh, is, is a big deal for this purpose. It's really not. 501c3, we'll talk about that in a different episode. 501c3s are a tax consideration with the IRS, not the fundamental legal status and framework of the church. So the 501c3 really just doesn't matter for this discussion. But if you have done that, then you need to make sure that the bylaws are your authoritative document. So what do you do if you've got both? Well, the first thing we need to do is make sure that Anything that we need in our church constitution also is contained in our bylaws. 
So if you've got a statement of faith, whether that's something like adopting the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, whether that's Baptist Faith and Message Plus, uh, whatever those statement of faiths are, they need to be contained or referenced in your bylaws. So if you've got, as this church did, they had a doctrinal statement and it's contained outside uh, of the actual document itself, we need to have a clear provision that says we incorporate by reference uh, the First Baptist Church of Timbuktu's doctrinal statement, and we need to include that. We need to make sure that that is uh, somewhere referenced or, or set out in full text inside your bylaws. What about things like church covenants or other things that are commonly found in the church constitution? If they are in your constitution, we need to make sure that they are going to be incorporated by reference or copied into your church bylaws. This is something that we need to make sure your church has done. And so the practical effect of having multiple documents is understanding that they all need to be linked. Now, one of the most confusing things is which document gets linked to what. I already touched on it earlier, but the bylaws, if you're incorporated, the bylaws are your supreme document. And that fundamentally sounds wrong because we think the Constitution, that's, uh, you know, especially in the United States, right? Our Constitution's kind of our supreme document. And, and that's true. If we're an unincorporated association, the Constitution is the supreme document. But if we're not, the bylaws are actually the top level. And this is why it's important to make sure that we're, we're, incorporating, we're layering these things in their appropriate uh, place. Because one of the things that we'll realize is that if your church is ever sued, unfortunately, you've now had a lawsuit filed against you. One of the first documents they're going to request is whatever that foundational document is. They're going to ask for your bylaws. They're going to look at your bylaws and they're going to say, who are you? And you're going to say, wait, wait, wait. Our bylaws may not fully represent who we are because we copied those from a church down the road. Um, Well, that's going to be a problem. Your bylaws are you. We need to make sure that whatever they say, you're doing. If you're doing something that's not in your bylaws, okay, let's amend the bylaws. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We're going to talk about that in a separate episode, but... If we've got to amend bylaws to make sure that they're actually representing who your church is and what you're actually doing, then let's do that. But somebody's going to look at these bylaws and they're going to say, this is you and you're representing that you are doing these things and that you're not doing these things. And if you have, have knowingly done something that's, that's counter to whatever's in your bylaws, there's going to be liability exposure potentially for that. And that's not a good situation. I had a church that I represented where their bylaws were copied from a sister church. It was somebody that I guess they were really more of a church plant uh, and they copied their bylaws. And so that was how they, they got their document. They, you know, they needed it as they said to open a bank account. So they did the bylaws, they opened the bank account. Okay, great. But the problem is, uh, as the pastor was telling me, they never did certain things that were contained in the bylaws. They never operated the way the bylaws said they operated. Well, yes, we did end up with a legal problem. We ended up in court. And part of the problem was when we were trying to get that that case actually dismissed, one of the issues was they weren't really operating according to what their own bylaws said they were supposed to be doing. 
And so it became a question of authority. Uh, the bylaw said, here's who has the ultimate authority in one case. And that's just not how the church has ever operated. So if your church bylaws say that we are a congregation led church and the ultimate authority is, is the actual congregation, the vote of the people at a business meeting or a family meeting. Um, but that's not how you've operated because you've operated more like a uh, pastor led church where the final authority would be the the pastor or maybe an elder led church where the elders or the trustees are the ones uh, that are going to make the decision. If we've operated since day one, but that's not what our bylaws say, this is the problem. We need to correct that. It's not necessarily a right or wrong answer on how your church is operating. We just need to make sure that you're consistent. We should be able to hold up your bylaws, look at what you do on a week in and week out basis, and we should see those reflected in your bylaws. And if that's not, We've either got to decide, are we going to conform to what our bylaws say? Or what I would suggest is we just amend the bylaws so the bylaws reflect who you really are. Anytime I help a church uh, and do any kind of bylaw amendments, I don't just want to give them Travis's ultimate set of bylaws and say that the ultimate set of bylaws is the perfect set because it's not. There is no one ultimate set of bylaws because the ultimate set of bylaws has to include you has to include your church, has to include how you operate. And if it doesn't do that, then it's the wrong set of bylaws. So one of the practice tips that you can have is understand where your bylaws came from. Did they come from another church? Uh, A lot of times associations will have a set of bylaws and they'll help a church get started that way. And as happens, Uh, Most of the time, churches will be there and they will have never touched their bylaws. And so we'll be 20, 25 years down the road. They won't have ever looked at their bylaws. They won't have ever amended them. And they realize that what their bylaws say and what they are as a church are two totally different things. And so when we get to the point of ever having an issue where potentially you're called into court, and even if we're trying to get that case dismissed, you're still going to have to produce those bylaws and any deviation from the bylaws to the church constitution, to the way your church actually acts is going to present a liability problem for your church. And so our goal is to proactively head that off. We want to make sure that your church is accurately represented in all your legal foundational documents. And if it's not currently, that's when we need to go ahead and go through the process of changing those. We want to make sure that your statement of faith is not only solid, but also included. Many times we look at at statement of faith uh, that are just done by reference to something like the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. That's fine. Um, But if we're going to have extra provisions, such as a marriage provision, such as a gender provision, then we need to make sure that those are included and they're clearly included in your actual foundational document. And so what's the next step? The next step is if you find yourself in one of these situations where you've maybe got several documents or it's somewhat confusing, it's really to look uh, to your bylaws uh, or your constitution and find the amendment section. We need to understand what it takes to amend your bylaws. We need to start a process to actually figure out how we're going to get the the constitution, the bylaws in the right order, 
uh, and either all incorporated or, uh, you know, carried over into the right document. And that's really your step one. Because like we said at the top, if we're not building your church on a firm legal foundation, we are on a bed of sand. And that is not what we want for your church. So practice point number one, take a look at your foundational documents. One, pull out, pull out that old folder that has them in there. Understand what they say. And then make sure that you're making a cognizant effort to really look at it and understand if you're really operating like your bylaws represent your operating. If you're not, it's time to make a change. That's an important change. And it's something that can't be done later once there's been a problem. So we want to make sure that this is done. And, and I get it. You're busy. Um, this is the type of thing that is, is not normally fun. It is not normally something that pastors just love doing. As we joked about before, you did not become a pastor to, uh, to write bylaws or to write a church constitution. That is not your goal. And I understand that. We want to hopefully help make that process easy. If you need help, feel free to contact us. We help churches all the time uh, and make those changes. But it's one of those things where I want to make sure that you know from the start that your church is built not only on the Word of God, but also built on a good set of foundational documents. And then as we go through this journey together and look at ways we can further improve your church, we know that once it's built on that firm foundation, everything else just strengthens that foundation. Thank you so much for listening to the Church Council Podcast, your trusted source as related to church law. I've been your host, Travis Story, and I truly hope that the practical takeaways from today is something that will bless and protect your church. If you need more information, visit us at churchcouncil.com. We can provide you additional information and assistance if your church is in need of legal counsel. Also, if you found today's podcast worthy of your time, Please review it on your podcast platform of choice and also subscribe so that you receive future notifications about each and every episode as we release them. Until next time, keep serving and protecting your ministry.